What's up, guys? Welcome back to Table 40. Matt and Leslie here with uh, today's special guest. We have a guest this week. Uh, last week, we, we didn't, uh, but we got one this week. And the she, best guest. she's special. <laughs> she is um, Hannah Price. We've had, her, we've had her brother. I think we've had That's it. just her brother. Mm-hmm. Um, Hannah worked for us or with us in helping... I mean, I'll just let you give Hannah's resume. Oh, I just think Hannah Price, we're super happy that you're on the podcast today. I was so excited. Actually, what happened was... So tell everyone who Hannah is. I'm about to. Oh. I know this is normally your job, but okay, well, I'll, I do I'll it have... differently. Okay. So I was thinking like today, okay, Matt and I are going to record a podcast this week and, and we want to talk about Father's Day. And um, because Father's Day was yesterday and and we were celebrating Matt all day yesterday. And I really started thinking about the impact of of a father. And anyway, um, I thought about you. And and I know that that sounds really random because you're not a father. And um, (laughs) but I thought, you know what? We had a perfect product of a great mother and father combo that lived with us for a really long time. And we got to see just, um, I guess, the fruit of your parents' parenting because you were our roommate for a really long time working with us to help raise our four kids and travel all over the place and do baseball life. And I would say Hannah's definitely the MVP roommate that we've had for many, many years. So I would introduce her as that. Welcome to the podcast, the MVP roommate, Hannah Price. (laughs) I feel like I need something for that award. I feel like I should get you something for that award. Best you know, I, I was oh, going Lord. to have a bag of chocolate covered ginger just as, you know, <laughs> for laughter purposes while we're on here and just pretend like I like them. But yeah, that's a oh, funny story. great roommates too, other than what you ate. <laughs> <laughs> you should tell that story because that was like when we very first met. That was our first sleepover, actually. It was our first sleepover. Uh, very uh, first met. Like, we're going to see if this is going to work out. And oh, um, really? Hannah yeah. came to Florida. I don't yeah. know. I'll the first. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I wasn't super comfortable with y'all at first. Um, comfortable as far as like, they're awesome, but I didn't know your strict diet, you know, y'all yeah. things. And so I, I think it was the first day I got down to Jupiter's during spring training. And I got there probably midday, ate maybe like a piece of lettuce. I don't know what I ate. And then, uh, and then I went up to my room in this rented, you know, rental home. And I'd only really walked into about three rooms. So I couldn't figure out where I was going at night, but I knew I was going to get food whenever y'all were sleeping. So that was all I really knew. And so I, I turned on like my phone flashlight and uh, went down the stairs and I can picture the house right now. We've lived in quite a few homes, but I can picture it. And I went down the stairs and it spit me out into the kitchen. And I, I was like, I remember Matt like popping some, some sort of chocolate out of this cabinet and it was and so I was like feeling around and like grabbed the bag and I was like yes and so I dumped a few pieces in my mouth and I thought I heard something and I was like shoot so I popped them in my mouth and nearly passed out on the stairs because it was it was not like chocolate covered caramel or normal person like chocolate covered almonds it was ginger and I was tears were streaming down so then I like frantically ran to the freezer I'm like I gotta chase this with something amazing like cookie dough ice cream and it, I, I put a big old scoop of ice cream in my mouth and it was avocado ice cream. So there was, <laughs> there was really nothing exciting to happen that night other than I was crying myself to sleep from the ginger. 
Well, I'm so glad you didn't like quit the next day because <laughs> ever since then, it's no, it, I just have my mom send Rolos to the house. That's right. She really did. She really she did, did do that a little care package. She did. But I didn't think about it at the time, but now I'm like, oh, now I know why. You're just yeah, so hungry. Leslie, you would eat uh, hot tamales. And so I would just buy you like the family size hot tamales so that I could eat them too. Oh, I love the I love hot tamales. It's my favorite candy. I think ever. of you all the time. But yeah, so that we got through that huge, you know, that was a problem for me, but I loved y'all so much. I just fought through. Um <laughs> It's true. And then one birthday, Matt made your favorite meal. And this was also going to be part of my announcing, Hannah, that you love stuffed shells. Do you remember that, Matt? I do. And it was so funny, Hannah, because you went on a bike ride and Matt's in the kitchen, like with his big old paws, like holding these shells and like trying to stuff cheese into these shells. And I'm going, there's got to be a better way. And, uh, but he was, he fought through. And, there and was, there is a better way. There is a better way, but I don't think at the time, I had no idea what it was. Didn't know that. <laughs> so they were like, I had to like. That wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. I think we ended up with like six of them. Before I got tired of doing it anymore. I think I just ate the ricotta straight. I was gonna say you just slap it on top and put it in the <laughs> oven and see what happens. But you were so loved that he would he would stuff the cheese in the you know with his big hands and it was really a funny, funny that picture. Was one of my favorite memories. Yeah, one of my favorite memories is when you were doing the whole 30 and I told you I would do it with you. And and I thought you weren't gonna, you know, I, you caught me cheating on you. And so that made me feel really bad, but that was funny too. It was mid bite, it was mid pasta bite. It was. And you had your wine in like a coffee cup. <laughs> I did. I was really shady. I was like, I put my plate down and it just went silent. And I was, I was like, what? And then I looked over the disappointment I know. I really felt like I had a partner in this 30 days that would just carry me there. And instead, I don't even know. I mean, you can be honest. It was how many days? You usually get like six or seven. I, yeah, I think like, it was the whole seven. We start, <laughs> we start all kinds of things and she makes it like six days. So that's, yeah. a, that's about when she's like, you know what? I'm not doing that. I'm just going to run a little bit more. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and uh, so she, we, I think we've done the whole six or seven a few times. I yeah. think we tried it again. And she made it maybe seven or eight. Yeah, I don't think I've ever gone longer than seven days. That's ever. right. You do a lot of other things great. Yeah, so, yeah. It's just a good friend of... and carrying your partner in the whole 30 you're not great at. Mm -hmm. But I'll let you, I'll let that go. No, I'm not. I'm not good at that. Okay, <laughs> I want to talk about your family a little bit. Because seriously, when you are roommates with somebody and you live with somebody for a long time, you get you get all facets of their personality, especially as many years as, is we did live together. And I think that one thing, well, there's a lot of things that I've admired about you. And there's a couple of things I would like to talk about um, on, on the podcast. But one thing for sure is, is just your family and, and kind of talk to us a little bit about your dad and the family dynamic. And, and cause I'm serious, like I really was thinking through, okay, I, I want to have a conversation today about fathers and the impacts and the impact that fathers have on a family and I really did see the impact that your dad had on your life um, over the years that we were roommates and living together and working together and, and all of that stuff. So let's just talk about your dad. I would love a specific that. question. I know you love talking about your dad. He's just <laughs> the kindest. Yeah. Well, first, um, Bobby, who's my dad, married my mom and they both were from families of three kids. So, uh, 
when they got married, they were kind of like, all right, let's do this. We're going to have three kids and that's what we're comfortable with. And um, they felt good about it. And uh, there was three boys. So they had one, two, three, three boys. And I was the fourth. So um, my dad had gone to a conference, a men's conference somewhere in Texas. And um, the, the guy was just speaking on, you know, being Lord over certain areas of your life and, and what areas we allow him to have control over and we choose. And so my dad felt super convicted about him being so adamant on this is what I can control. I feel good about having three. Um, he felt convicted about it and was like, wow, I need to be open to a, maybe a bigger family and was kind of afraid to talk to mom about it because he didn't know if she was comfortable with three and wanting more and all that. So he comes home and they have a talk and I was probably born nine months later. So um, <laughs> I don't want to get into specifics. I haven't talked about they that. More than a talk. I'm pretty sure they had more than a talk. And uh, well, <laughs> and it went great. It was, they were on the same page. And so uh, I was born and I like to think I kind of started the like, wow, we had this girl and and she was amazing. Why not just keep going? And so, uh, yeah, so I am the, there's three boys and then me and uh, five below me. So um, my dad is, um, I will say, even though they had talked about the size of their family, they didn't really talk about, you know, how many other than from that point on. Um, but my dad was very uh, aware of what he wanted his children to be, what he wanted the foundation of his home to be his relationship, um, with my mom. And so they were very, they didn't just wing it as they had kids. I think from that moment on, there was a shift in, uh, we're not just having these kids to have them. We want to have purpose and who we raise up and their relationship with each other, uh, starts like not, they wouldn't let us do anything outside of the home if we weren't all good. And it just was, it showed in the way that they loved each other and the way my dad took care of my mom and, um, they were on the same page and, uh, I am a product of, I would say I have, you know, as I've gotten older, I've seen more of that. I didn't, I wasn't aware of that in middle school and high school and even my twenties, but, um, what they put in every day, uh, I am, it's just unbelievable. And, uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's an unbelievable man and works, you know, there's times he worked probably three or four jobs and we ate peanut butter sandwiches and, would watch touch by an angel and eat oranges. And I thought that was like the normal. I was like, this is awesome. Like I, and it was probably because the cash flow wasn't as strong some days, but we did, he did always make me cheese shells. So there's a common thread with, uh, you know, with that, but, uh, yeah, just an unbelievable man. And, um, it starts with, you know, who he is as an individual and, um, the years of work that he's put in, and being, you know, a visionary and he's a challenger. He challenges us. And, um, I am just, I'm so grateful for that. And so are my siblings. You could ask every one of us and we would say the same. Yeah. I love Bobby. He's so, he's gentle, but also, I, I mean, I've never seen it, but I can imagine that he has a fierce side too, but he's just so gent He's just so gentle. Like you're the only person in the room when you're having a conversation with him. And that's something that I really I, I really enjoy being around him because he listens very well and he looks at you and he's just all in. And I, and I love that about him. And um, anyway, but something you said, I thought was really cool. And I want to talk about that a little bit because this is what Matt and I, as we've grown into parents and not so much in the early years, because we were just, you know, trying to figure things out. But I think the last couple of years, becoming a, more of a team, don't you think like 
parenting is more of a team, like you said, that you've observed with your parents. I think it's really important in parenting is for us to be on the same page before we try to apply anything to our, with our kids or to our kids. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I would, I would just, I'm, I'm kind of curious of how, even with four kids, like having a connected relationship and, and how did they connect on a deep level with, with that many kids? And I know the age discrepancy is pretty wide. So you didn't always have, there weren't that many kids in the house at all times, but what, what strategies did you see your dad in, in, in having the ability to really deeply connect with that many children, uh, you know, in, over a, a long period of time? Um, well, I'd say <clears throat> his connection with my mom was uh, probably just their time was early, early morning. So my dad gets up at, I would say four, 4 a.m. He still does. And he still, you know, brings his chair into the kitchen and he sits in his chair and reads his Bible and makes his coffee. And my mom will get up shortly after and they have a good, um, you know, depending on what they have going on, they have a good couple hours together and to kind of reconnect. And I, I don't think in the baby stage of their parenting, it probably wasn't as consistent. Um, but they always found time and we were very, we weren't super scheduled. We were, I mean, we had, I have five brothers, so we were at baseball tournaments, same, you know, similar y'all just constantly being away from home. And, um, but they just found time. They were intentional and, um, my dad helped my mom a great deal. So, you know, they were able to kind of be done with things at a certain time at night, uh, if we didn't have stuff and we went to bed and they were able to talk. And I remember, <laughs> I remember, I'm very social and y'all know this, but um, I remember them saying, all right, Hannah, it's time for bed. And I would be, I was just mad. I'm like, really? No, like I've earned to stay up with y'all and hang. Like I'm like y'all's friend. And there, so I went to bed and I would smell popcorn underneath my door. And I remember being so mad because I'm like those little, they pop popcorn and I could hear Coke opening. I'm like, they're having a party and they put us all to bed. And I remember yelling down, like when I'm an adult, all I'm going to do is eat popcorn and, you know, and, and I'm having cut and they were like, fine, you know, that's great, Hannah, but right now you're going to bed. And I know that that was their only date night option. They would, yeah. they would pop popcorn and they'd probably turn on like Dateline or something. And they would just <laughs> talk. And I mean, I don't know, I haven't really asked them what they were watching, but I, they just found time. And then with us, I mean, it, we didn't have, you know, my dad went out of town he would have to be out of town for like nine days straight for each of us to get a night in mom's bed. But, you know, like, so, you know, yeah. so, and so we had, we were like, wait, how is that fair? You know? And um, so anyways, we just, they did, they, they made time to invest in each of our interests. And uh, we did a lot of things as a unit and we did a lot of things as a family and um, sacrificed, I would say the girls sacrificed a lot with the boys sports and schedules and all that, but they really, really encouraged us to, individually in our giftings um and what they bought us for christmas presents and <clears throat> being intentional to speak into that uh i thought i wanted to be like a missionary doctor until i took science class and then i was out but i <laughs> they bought me like scrubs and a stethoscope and wrote me a note about they just encouraging me in those you know the passions and they found ways to do that for each child. And I I'd still, as I'm older too, I don't have my own kids, but I'm like, how in the world do they do that? And they were still happy. Like, <laughs> like yeah. they were happy and, and it, they loved, they just genuinely love being uh, parents and investing in others. It's, it's amazing. 
Yeah, that is amazing, especially like Matt last night. So it's, you know, it's Father's Day. Reed is into Beyblades, which is super unfortunate for Matt. And so um, anyway, he goes, he's been in that phase a while. I mean, it, it he just came, he it, he out came of it. back oh, no. he got to it. And so anyway, I'm terrible, but I'm also, a, a you know, a little wiser. I've had a little bit more one-on-one experience with, with Reed. And so if I do really bad at something, then he doesn't invite me to play. And so I'm like, oh gosh, I'm just terrible babe later. I guess that you don't want to play with me. And, and he's like, so last night he says to Matt, he said, Hey, it's Father's Day. He said, "Do you want to do shoot some bays with one of your sons?" Turns out, Matt's pretty good at it. We battled. <laughs> you battled. I don't even really understand it. I, I don't. I don't get it. I don't no. get it either. He likes the competition of it, and he likes to watch your bay blade get destroyed. Mm-hmm. And then he'll give you. He's kind of shady. He'll give you. I get the bad ones. The bad ones. <laughs> He's got the scouting report on all of them. He does. But it's just like parenting's tough in that way because, you know, some of the kids that you have, you you naturally enjoy the things that they enjoy. And then some of some of the kids, you you just kind of like, man, I don't like Beyblades, but I guess if you like Beyblades, I like Beyblades. And so, I don't know. It's just, I like what you said about what your parents did is they found the things that that they know that you loved or the things that they saw that God had gifted you in and they wanted to enter that space. And I think that that's beautiful. I think all parents need to try to do that um, a little bit more consistently because that's that, that, that earns some, I don't know, I guess it earns credibility in your relationship if that's the right way to word it to where you can talk about harder things down the line. They see that you're interested in them. So, yeah, I think there's, I mean, it's, it's very, it's awesome. There's, there was one Christmas though, that I think I told him, you know, I wanted to do better at sports. I don't even know how to word it. I wasn't great at sports. Uh, I played and I I was on the team, but uh, we won't talk about bench time to court time, but um, they, I I think I had shared with them, like, I really want to be serious about this. And so one, one Christmas, um, my sister gets like, you know, baking stuff and like all this amazing like great stuff and I got like a workout video with a step you know like one of those steps and I remember being like what the what in the world like and I talked to him about it I'm like are y'all trying to say something here and they were like Hannah you said to what you know and so it can cause kind of that Christmas yeah. we, we had it wasn't the most happy joyful <laughs> Merry Christmas um I was offended I was like Abby gets an easy bake and I get a freaking workout video but <laughs> they paid attention they listened and I did in all fairness I did say that so um I don't know if I ever used the workout video but I use the easy bake so yeah <laughs> that's really <laughs> funny that's really funny and so okay the other thing I'm excited to talk to you about is just just having an authentic faith and I think that that's something that you and I've discussed a million times over the years that we've been together and drinking coffee and and wine and, and just meals and walks and everything else. I think that how great is it to do life with someone or to be, I just guess in somebody's presence, it has this, a real authentic face versus somebody that's just pretending. I mean, isn't it great? I don't even know how to start the conversation with you other than like, I don't know how to ask the question, but I I don't know. Isn't it great? I think that's a question. Isn't it great? Yeah. It's question mark. Isn't it great? Question mark. No, it, it, I, I'm going to just go off. I think I know what you're saying and it is great. And, um, I, 
I, I feel like there's been a lot of seasons in my life as most believers that um, it's not always that way. And there's not always a season where you are around people that invest in that and that you can, you know, look outside of your own and feel like, oh, wow, like I really want, if there are a few steps ahead of me, I want to shape my faith and my walk and my prayer life and my marriage choices and all that based on those people. Um, so it comes and goes for sure. But I think that there's a, and you and I've talked about this less of just different seasons of life and different hard things in life that everything else just kind of crumbles if you don't have a foundation and you don't have the, I mean, literally everything can topple where you're like, I don't know where I'm going, but I know that by God's grace, I have a security in this. And I think that your circle of people is very, very small in that time because there's a, there's a rock bottom that a lot of people haven't hit or they're not living as if they have. And there's a, uh, not a fakeness, but you know what I'm saying? There's not a genuineness that people live from. And I feel like uh, as I get older, I see um, the necessity of that and what I owe to the next person to say, I am not doing well. And I am, I need you to be aware of that and to speak into this place. And then there's seasons where I'm the one that's like, you got this, come on. I know where you're going and I know it's going to be wonderful. And, and so I don't, I don't know what I would be personally without those people ahead of me. And um, you're one of those people, both you and Matt and uh, living with y'all, I would say is, uh, you know, is, is fun and the coffee dates and the wine and the games and the traveling and all of that. Uh, most the, my favorite memories and what I grew from the most was those conversations with y'all and just the realness of like, life is hard and it is not easy. And, um, there's loss and there's pain and there's question marks and, um, job changes and all of the things and kids that are in different seasons and the, just those people around you, you know, that kind of hold you to a higher standard and that surround you where you are. And I'm just so grateful. And I do have wonderful people in my life. Um, they're that way, my parents and couples like y'all. Yeah. And I just think what I, what I meant by that too, is, I mean, you nailed that for sure, but I think just there's a beauty in, in the Christian family or the brothers and sisters, like in Christ that there are days, like you said, that you just don't have, you don't have to have it together. You don't have to have the right answers. It doesn't have to be, um, a perfect looking kind of life that you're living and, and life can be incredibly messy. And I just think the beauty of doing life for people that have just this real authentic faith, it's okay not to be okay. And you can just meet people where they are, like you said. And, and I think that's what I love so much about all the conversations that we've had over the years is that, um, your faith is very authentic and, and some, and there are days that the Lord feels very far away and there's days he feels very near. And I think that that's encouraging to people that may just be kind of curious about the Christian journey. And, um, and I think for me, just being around you and being around my other friends that truly just really want to run hard after Jesus, that it doesn't have to look perfect all the time. And it's not these mountaintop experiences all the time. And, and, um, you know, and I don't know, that's what I was, that's what I've loved over the years about our conversations is because I think before, I mean, gosh, we met even before you started working with us. And I think as I was navigating, like, what does it really mean to be a Christian? There were some things I didn't understand about the Christian journey until I started to have friends in, in my 
circle that we're really living out an authentic faith and that we're really like when they messed up, man, I'm sorry. I said that, or I'm sorry. I had a crappy attitude today, or I'm sorry, whatever, or yeah, this is, I mean, just like you can trip up a little bit around the people that, you know, and I just, that was so refreshing to me to be a young believer and to be around other young believers that were truly pursuing Jesus, but not doing it perfectly. Cause I think early in my journey, I, I was like, man, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. Like they're, they're awesome and I'm not. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? And I just think that's what I love so much about our friendship over the years is we've just been through lots together. And so, um, and it's been wonderful to see that the Lord still has us and he's still holding on to us real secure, even though we haven't done it perfectly. And so I love that. That's what's cool about having these long-term friendships. Mm-hmm. So great. What do you think? Do you have I'm, anything to say? I'm just letting say? you guys talk. I mean, I didn't, was that a question? I didn't know. Was... Yeah, question mark. <laughs> I think you should tell the story about when you worked at McDonald's and you had to wear the pants. <laughs> I mean, if that's not authentic faith, I don't know what is. I mean, that is that has come up actually recently. That's come up quite a few times. Uh, the McDonald's whole bit, and then remember. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get ahead of myself. I get so excited. Um, yes, I did a. I took off. Uh, I would say three months from what I normally did, which was helping y'all and other people in baseball. Um, to do a summer beach project. And I was so excited to be around young believers, my age and kind of the season of life, you know, I was in a different season of life, but just kind of, you know, same interest and all that. And I get down there and I'm like, this is gonna be awesome. Like I'm going to meet new people. I can do this. I've lived in Australia by myself. I have met wonderful friends. I'm outgoing and I get there and they were like, all right, y'all have 24 hours to find a job and uh, report back of where you get a job. And I was like, Okay, so um, the only place I could get a job was McDonald's, and I went in and I came out wearing black dicky pants. So it was, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it is a that's a different form of rock bottom, but I had a good attitude about it. And I they I for some reason the manager Dennis, um, wonderful gentleman Dennis, thought that he and I had dated years before in St. Louis, and it we hadn't. And Dennis let me wear hoops and a belt and kind of add to some flair to my outfit so uh it wasn't all that bad I got to style things to Dennis and um but yeah it was that was you know if you can if you can smile at a fry machine that you know you're going to need proactive after you know you're <laughs> you're there for the right reasons suffering for the Lord <laughs> you're suffering for the Lord I was like I have I'm broken out I know that these these breakfast burritos aren't actually real meat. Like I can't, it's, I have found out so much that could really sway me away from trusting and having faith in humanity. And yet I stay strong. So it was a character builder. Oh my goodness. But I will say when I worked for y'all, remember we, Les, we did that stitch fix. Yes. And so I was so excited because I was like, man, Les and I just like wear workout clothes all the time. And we take care of these kids we both just need like an exciting package on the porch that gives us some like spunk to our you know you know our outfits and so Leslie fills hers out and her box comes and she's like all giddy and it's like flare jeans and like all of her you know what she would wear her stylist was like I have got you girl and she did everything you got was so cute it was so cute yeah like these hoop earrings and and my <laughs> my box came <laughs> I open it up 
and like the very top thing was a freaking pair of black dicky pants. Yes. Matt, you remember. Yes. It was, I canceled my subscription. I mean, and I was, they were like, when you cancel it, they send you a, like what went wrong. <laughs> I was like, there's not enough room on this sheet. <laughs> like, I'm going to tell you what went wrong. You didn't hear me. You didn't hear my desire. I put date night outfits. Like, I know <laughs> yeah, that's a knit. Not to McDonald's. Unless Dennis <laughs> emailed him. Yeah. I don't want an egg McMuffin. I want a freaking steak. Like, I never went back to Stitch Fix. But Les would like come out of her room for like a game night and I'd be like, you look adorable. And she's like, Stitch Fix. And I was like, okay. <laughs> We're good. Uh, We're good. Yeah, so, I probably need to hit that up again. I probably should do that. It's uh, been a while. It's kind of fun to get the boxes. But if they were my boxes. you never send it back. I don't, I would never send it back. Yeah. They charge you for whatever you don't send back. Yeah. I've never sent something back quicker other than a bad blind date. I have never been like, <laughs> this is not, this is not it. Oh, let's talk about that real quick. Let's talk about dating, Hannah. I mean, some of your dating stories are my all time favorites. <laughs> <laughs> If y'all turn this into a like she's single site, that'll be, I'm going to have words. But uh, yeah, I mean, dating's hard. Dating's hard, but it really is. No, seriously. So, you know, we teach Bible study to college girls and, and boys and college age kids, and they're all single. And so what are non-negotiables in dating for a woman that's, that loves the Lord? What would you say? Um, well, I mean, I definitely, I was just talking about this with a, with a girlfriend the other night. Um I think just, you know, when you're in, when you're doing your thing and you're looking at what everybody else is doing, which we all do. And with social media, you're constantly seeing what everybody else is doing, what they're a part of, where they're going. Um, It's very hard to not be like, oh man, I should be there. Or I should have been here by now. Or maybe if I would have said yes to that. And I, I would say to, you know, people younger than me, even my age, um, that to get into a, you know, to get into a hurry and to just start making decisions based on where I think that my life should be is very dangerous. And it, and I say dangerous because it is, I think that there is danger in saying yes to, or walking into something that you're not, you're not supposed to open that door yet. And you're not supposed to be there just because everybody else is. And I think there is this, as you get older, there is a little bit more of a push and people, you know, people's comments and, you haven't met anyone. Are you dating anyone? And so that can kind of get you into a panic, um, depending on how much you let that weigh on you and, uh, and how let, you know, much you let them speak into that place. And I think that I would just say there's, I think about my life and I think about the things that I've said yes to, there's so much in our yeses, but there's a heck of a lot in our nos and our not yet's. And I'm so thankful that I was able to say no and not yet to the things that I did and to say yes to, I knew who I was. I still do. And I know what I want um, to, to circle back around to, you know, the man that I was raised by um, the, the way that he led the way my brothers are. I'm, it just, there's, there's so much that I'm like, I can't, you can't shake that and you can't walk away from what was instilled in you. And, um, and I think that, there's so many years that I've been able to do things and saying yes to y'all living overseas, working. I mean, literally the things that I've been able to do and, and meanwhile dating and looking into that and still being interested in that, but still just knowing like, no, this is where I am today. And tomorrow I'll meet tomorrow. 
and not rushing it and just in really, really enjoying where we are. And I can say without hesitation that I have enjoyed every bit of where I've been. And I'm so grateful for the no's that I was able to say and, um, and also to the yeses. And I, I am better for it today. And I think that that will make my decision and my excitement to what I step into that much more. Oh, I agree. That's good. We need to fly you down and have you talk to the Wednesday night girls. That's good. <laughs> I like that. Any, do you have any more questions for Hannah about I, dating? I, no, I don't. I mean, I feel like this is you guys' apartment. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, guys about it too. And, and on Sunday night. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's a, it's a tricky situation now, especially with social media. Like I, I, even like sports and like the whole social media, everybody worried about how they look on social media and the comparison and like comparing lives and comparing rankings in baseball or comparing people's relationships. And it's such a facade and it's such, I don't know. I just think it's such a tricky time for people to date and to feel mm -hmm. like they have to have this presence on social media. To me, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, how do you how do you feel about that? You know, like as far as like social media and and what would you say to college kids that are trying to navigate dating or sports or you know anything trying to compare their lives on social media? Well, I think that I mean comparison will be there unfortunately is with us at all the time. Yeah. I think you can be in line at a store and compare what you have in your hand to somebody else that's checking out. It's constant, it's everywhere. I think you're going to do that in um, every part of life, but it's, it's taking control of our thoughts and being like, okay, if this isn't making me feel like where I am in my life is, is it, it's good. Do I want to be somewhere else? Do I desire to be somewhere else? Yes. Do I see myself getting married and having a family and, and yes, I do. And so do a lot of other people that are single um, I think that social media, I wouldn't say I'm not really in the thick of it as, you know, I have siblings 18, 21 years old, like they're, they're what they experience is so different than me. Um, cause they are in the, unfortunately yeah. the like, you know, the generation of, I need to feel like I'm enough. I need you to like this, to make me justify what I'm doing, you know, what I'm doing or to make me feel like I deserve to be in this place. And I think with dating, um, it is a, it is, it is that way now. Instagram is very much like a date, a way to meet people. And, um, there's nothing wrong with that. And, but I think that at the end of the day, if you're not leading with what is truth and who you are and showing that side, then they're not authentically getting to know you. And so there's this, there's a false narrative narrative of, and surround you're surrounded by things that's like I'm not actually living with who, like who I am and so that therefore that person doesn't really know who I am so there's a disconnect from the very beginning and you almost have to keep that up like I think about the girls and it breaks my heart but just young girls that think they have to keep up this outside of just what someone sees on their posts and what they've you know put out there and it's it's it breaks my heart because it's like you are genuinely enough as it is you're wonderful and you look beautiful in that and I'm so excited that that's what you're doing but you away from that you're still awesome and I love you and I I want to be a part of your life because of you 
you know, and not what I see and what. And so I think that that's a struggle is we just think that we have to keep up with the next person and that we won't, we'll be overlooked as a woman by a man if we're not in the same category as other girls. And it's, it's hard. It's very, very hard. And I'm not even in the, the, you know, the thick of it, as far as I'm a little bit farther in the maturity level of being able to know when to shut it off be like, I didn't like how that made me feel, or I felt inferior. I'm going to stop because that's not what I believe about myself. But at that 21 years old, 18 years old, you don't have that ability. You know, you don't have that, like you don't to say like, I don't think this is great for me. Yeah. Uh, And so that's, I think that's really, really hard. And, um, you can't tell someone to not get on Instagram, but it's all right. When, when I get this feeling or this feeling comes up, how am I going to handle my response? Um, because people will always be doing their thing, but where do I stand? And, uh, what am I going to do when X, Y, and Z? Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's realistic. Yeah, I think you have to have a strategy. You have to have a plan. It's like, like a warning signs, right? That when you flare it, when you start to get anxious or, or whatever, you're feeling bad about yourself or whatever those feelings are, you have to have a plan, like yeah. where, whether it's just get off of it or whatever. I don't even know. I mean, cause I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like Matt, I mean, we're, we weren't raised in, in this world. And so, um, of the Instagram world and it's, it's, so it's hard for us to parent that. I think that's the interesting thing about parenting right now is that my parents didn't experience this. So therefore they couldn't help me navigate it or I didn't you know I didn't navigate it as a kid so I don't really have anything for my it's just hard it's it's a tough it's a tough deal I think that for me personally just you know where I am in my life too is I I see a bigger picture of things and I see how it affects me but that is because as I've gotten older my speed of life has changed and I'm not talking about the speed of going out and all of these things. But what I think when you're going 80 down a highway, you're not going to be able at the end of that drive to tell people what you passed. Yeah. You're and so when you speed down, like you slow down, you shift your speed, you're able to see things and make adjustments to how, where you're going. And so for me, it's like, I've slowed because of life. Like there are things that have happened in my life that have changed my speed to where I realize I need to be aware when I see this, because then I will be able to have enough time to shift where I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that comes with, I was not that way in my early twenties. I was not at all. I was, I was flying down. Everything was great. Genuinely. I thought I was, everything was great. I had a job. I had great friends. I was, I was dating, I was having fun and there's nothing wrong with that. But I, as I've gotten older, the, the speed has changed and I am aware of like, wow, this really will affect me if I don't make an adjustment before I get there. And, um, that is, I, for me personally, that has changed a lot of things, um, and who I've in, you know, the rooms that I've entered into the people that I've been around. Um, I just know enough of like real life of, I've been to the lowest, lowest, lowest point, and I'm aware of who I am coming from that. And therefore that it shifts everything. And I think that just comes with life and you're adding things to your, your, you know, the, the, where you're going, there's more in your, in your car, uh, or so to speak, uh, of, of tools that you will need. Yeah, that's good. I think that, I think that's good advice. I think learning how to simplify 
our days and um and really just kind of what you said earlier in this conversation is just being where your feet are and being present in relationships and and really just I guess being a lot like Bobby (laughs) just like when someone enters your space to be there with them and um I'll never forget when when Matthew passed away and I came to see you I walked into your kitchen and I your dad greeted me like it was like I, I just couldn't, I just could, I, I still can remember his face, Hannah, like just such kind, gentle eyes and just, I'm so glad you're here. And it was, it was just such a warm. And I was like, no, no, I'm not, I'm here for you. Like I'm here for you. Like I I'm just here to be with Hannah and don't worry about me. And it, but he did worry about me and he just, he just made me feel like, um, I was so important in, in stuff. And he was grieving, like probably not, he'll never experience anything like that again. And, and I just can't, I just can't tell you how that impacted my life and talking about like your dad and having an authentic faith. And, and, you know, I've been, I've heard lots of great speakers and read lots of great books and I've gone to school for a really long time. And, but there's really, honestly, I don't think I may have shared this with you. I'm not for sure, but there hasn't really been a moment that's impacted my faith. Like, like that, because I was, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what authentic faith is, is just being with people, just, just having, just being present and, and simplifying things and having conversation and loving someone well, and, and just being present with people that God's placed in your circle for that moment. And, um, man, that, that really did impact me in a, a great deal. So, and I, and I've, I've also just, I mean, not again, Matt, Matt's probably going to have to remind us of a funny story because he's not real good with emotion (laughs) with like sad things but I do think that that's the way life is like there's it there's peaks and valleys and and I just you know I I think when Matthew going through what he went through and and um and his life and and you know and and his death and in the celebration of his life and and I mean that's just I can tell has impacted you in such a great deal and and I've is that what you would say has really slowed you down to where you're like, man, this is just, life is just too precious and too fast to, to keep living. Like, yeah. so, you know, uh, not out of control, but just like moving from moment to moment to moment without like yeah. a lot of intention. Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I don't think there's an easy way to tell someone that when you're talking to somebody about growth and, um, how you are the way you are. I think that's just a, unfortunately, it's a very heavy thing to bring to the table, but it is very real. And that is a huge reason why my life slowed and, and not just to take time to grieve and with COVID and it all happened in that same year, but just realizing I, I would have never seen it. I would never have seen that coming. I would never have thought that that's where we would enter into. And so you, before that you are just kind of cruise control and doing all of the things and never really thinking that something will slow you and change you and, and halt you. And, uh, you stay, I I felt like I was at a rest stop for, and I, I still feel that way sometimes for a good long time. That is, you're not wanting to be there. It's like, no, I want to, I want to just bulldoze through Um, but I will say that, yeah, that I think that hitting, walking into that and being at the lowest you can be in heartbreak and grief and loss and sorrow, 
in a world that rush wants to rush you out in order to for their lives to stay the same that has been very hard um because it's uncomfortable for everybody so it's it's no we just need you to be back we we need you to be the friend that you were we need you to be back out there and and doing all the things that you were doing and um I think that the the growth that I've had in my life is because of that pause and uh, not just losing my brother, but um, just reevaluating what really, really is important. And that life is so, so fast and we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And that sounds so cliche, but I've never, I've never lived my life that way where I'm like, I, I have no control over what happens my next breath tomorrow morning, next week. And so today, what I know to be true is X, Y, and Z and living with intention of, um, the way my brother did, but also with his, you know, his marriage and seeing how in sickness and health was 100% actually what those vows meant and watching him and his wife. And, um, so yeah, I mean, your life, it's not something I, I wish I would rather not be changed and have my brother. Um, but, but I can't do that. And so today I know that I, uh, as a family as well, and my dad, you're so right about that, just being intentional with other people. And I think a lot of my healing has been turning my eyes, my shift from myself to outward, um, a lot. And I think that, um, you know, I had a friend that lost two siblings, uh, a sister, a month after I lost my brother, it was the second sibling that he lost. And my first thought is I need to write him a letter and I need to, we need to go bring plants and flowers and do something for others. And and in turn that helped he in a way heal because it was, it was turning my eyes off my own circumstance and looking towards somebody else. And that also is not preached today is like, what do we, what can we do for our lives to better it? And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that healing in my own personal life and growing and knowing who I want to be is because of what my dad and my mom instilled in laying my life down and what that looks like. And is as much as my dad wanted to hide under that, you know, at visitation saying 500 people were at visitation lined up and he stood at the front to welcome every single person there. Would he want to do that? No, he wanted to be under, he would be hiding. You know, our flesh doesn't want it. It's just, it's so much more than that. And so it's just this, I don't want to be here, but I'm choosing to do this with where I am. And that's what I I've seen my parents do, you know, prior to losing their son. Mm -hmm. And that didn't. So when you said that about my dad, it's like, yeah, that's who he is. That was not, you know, it's not, that was what I grew up seeing. Mm -hmm. And so I am so grateful. I'm not at that point yet. And he's in his sixties and I I'm not, but I, I just, I'm so grateful that I'm some years back in order to st- and be at a pace where I see that and I can um, adjust where I'm at. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Anything from you? Well, I have one question left. Okay, well, let's hear it. Let's hear your question. I can't wait. <laughs> so you probably don't listen to these, but at the end of all of them, table 40, you got to pick six or seven people to eat at your table oh my and it can't yeah. be your family obviously they wouldn't all fit <laughs> um and then what are you eating and it can't be stuffed shells because everyone already knows oh, brother. Shells. well what else would i eat okay but that's one's out you are you can okay okay you can have a small side of stuffed shells but you have to pick <laughs> six people 
Huh? Six to ten. You mean that's just, a lot. Well, you have to pick those people. Well, y'all, two okay. people. Um. Oh man, Matt. I don't know. I I love so many people. Um. You know what? I think our original, like our Jupiter crew at this point in my life right now, because y'all are in Jupiter right now, I would say I would love it, even though Ashley and Leslie would be cheating whole 30s. Um, <laughs> whole 30s and, out. Whole 30s, yeah, whole 30s out. out. But they they would be hiding in a different dining room from me. Um, but I would say that crew. Um, that was a good crew. That was, it was some of my best memories. And um, I, I would love today at this point to be at that table. Um, and the Jupiter we all, y'all were very, I'm very social. So working for y'all was a dream because y'all, we always had people at the house <laughs> and it was so exciting. And I remember you, you would call mad and you'd be like, the Yankees are coming over or the Cardinals or the friends down the street. And we met these people at the seafood market. Like it, it was just constantly like, Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And just <laughs> so fun and singing and fishing and gathering around a table. And I, I, one of my that's one of my favorite things about y'all is the way that you open up your home and even this podcast is essentially what that is and I'm just I would say that I would say right now and I but I would make you make me stuff shells I would make Tom your dad make me I was texting actually with them last night and I was like I want to be your sous chef again I need Italian food and I would make him make me eggplant and all the other things that he would talk to me about for about eight hours in the kitchen <laughs> I leave. um so yeah, that's what I would choose. That is a good meal. Eggplant. His eggplant parm's hard to beat. There's Meat nothing balls. like it. Yeah. Balls. Yep. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Table 40 with Matt and Leslie Holiday, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more stories on sports intersecting with faith, visit sportsspectrum.com.